Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. I am your host Danny, and in today's episode what I have decided to do is give you a little bit of insight into one of my client Facebook Q&As. So essentially with the girls that I coach and guys actually, the odd few guys, I do a weekly Facebook Q&A. I do a weekly Facebook Q&A for both my Educating 8 clients and my Team DB one-to-one clients. I do these Q&As separately. So on the Educating 8 Facebook group, there is my Educating 8 Facebook Q&A once a week. And on my Team DB Facebook group, there is my one-to-one client Q&A once a week. And what I do is any questions that my clients have throughout the process, I will ask them to drop the questions in the Facebook group. And then when it gets to the Q&A, I will go through these questions, answer them on top of any other questions which my clients have as I'm going through these questions. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of an insight into what these Q&As are like by sharing a clip of one of those with you. And it's also just a valuable Q&A in general, like some of the Q&As I've done in the podcast previously. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I start off talking about hunger, (laughs) partially how it's an inevitable part of the process of fat loss um so that's where I start on this on this Q&A I did start recording like when I was already a little bit into it but they're usually around like 30 to 30 minutes to an hour ish so enjoy this Q&A episode of the Female Fitness Podcast. As always, if you do enjoy the content on the Female Fitness Podcast, I would appreciate it from the bottom of my heart if you could like, subscribe, share on your Instagram story, leave me a review. So thank you so much in advance for those of you who do support the podcast. It, It really does mean the world. I put a lot of time, energy and effort into it and I enjoy doing it, but I appreciate your feedback too. So thank you in advance enjoy this podcast and I hope you are having a wonderful day. I'm going to experience some amount of hunger at some points and it's normal for hunger to fluctuate and it isn't something which you have to completely avoid so to some extent you just need to accept it as a part of the process and if your goal is very extreme such as stepping on stage that hunger is going to be more extreme than if you have a less extreme goal. So again, it's something you have to accept. And if you do have an extreme goal, such as stepping on stage, you can almost in a a weird sort of way, see it as a good thing, because if you're hungry, guess what? You're probably in a calorie deficit and therefore you're gonna make progress towards your goal of fat loss. So you can almost sadistically see it as a sort of good thing in a way um, and try and enjoy that hunger as much as you can and just accept it rather than trying to suppress it because you'll never fully avoid it. There are some things you can utilize to help keep hunger at bay as much as possible, but you're never gonna fully avoid it. In terms of the tools that you can utilize to try and keep it at bay as much as you can, some people like to fast in the morning. I personally like to fast in the morning when I'm dieting. So um, what I will do is I'll push my first meal back to like 10, 11 a.m. And basically that just gives you a shorter window to eat in. So you can have more food between the hours of say 11 a.m. and 
7 p.m. as opposed to having to spread that food out throughout the entire day. So it's it often helps some people with hunger. It's not magic. You're not going to magically like drop body fat because you're fasting. What determines the rate at which you will lose body fat is the size of the calorie deficit you're in. However, it can be a tool you can utilize to minimize hunger to some extent. Some people like to fast towards the back end of the day. So you might just sort of cut your food off at 6, 7 p.m. as opposed to eating later than that. Again, that's just a different form of fasting. It's just fasting in a different window. So that's always an option that you could utilize as well. Um, fasting either in the morning or at night, whichever you find easiest personally. You could also consider a protein modified fast. What that means is basically you're fasting but you're still having a protein serving and that could be beneficial because then you're still elevating muscle protein synthesis in that fasting window um which can be beneficial if you're dieting to an extreme level of lean such as with a competition prep we want to obviously spike muscle protein synthesis regularly throughout the day to try and maintain as much muscle tissue as possible and that protein serving might also again help keep hunger at bay because protein is the most satiating macronutrient so if you struggle to fast because you're very hungry in the morning you might have a protein shake or 200 grams of greek yogurt rather than eating a solid meal and do a protein modified fast and then push the rest of your meals back later in the day just an example of what you could do and um also just consume higher volume food sources so like rice cakes potatoes um low fat Greek yogurt, low-fat cottage cheese, quark, um, they are all really high-volume food sources. So what that means is for a given number of calories, you'll have a lot more food bulk um, and things like vegetables can be really handy for that as well. It will just make it seem like you've got a lot more food for a given number of calories, which can, of course, help with hunger. So higher-volume foods as well. Also consuming a serving of protein with each meal, that can help keep hunger at bay because protein is the most satiating macronutrient that means it basically makes you feel fuller for longer um and using diet drinks can be helpful as well so you've obviously got like your pepsi max and um other carbonated sugar-free beverages but you could also have um there's like the options hot chocolates as or the low calorie hot chocolates, which I personally find really useful, especially if you've got a bit of a sweet tooth, so they can be great. Um, you could also use caffeine as it's a little bit of an appetite suppressant. So you might find that if you have a black coffee, um, that suppresses your appetite a little bit. Useful tool, but you don't want to be consuming caffeine after 2 p.m. Where do you start when thinking about what federation to compete with? So. First of all, I would choose your category before your federation. So when you're choosing your category, have a look at your your body shape and where you think you would most naturally fit even before doing any trainings. Have a look at your body shape, your shoulder width, your hip width, whether you've got a natural, naturally really tiny waist or not, whether you've naturally got a bit of a quad sweep or not. Um, and that will probably give you a bit of an indication on whether you would fit the, the figure or the bikini category. You could also take some photos or a video of yourself trying some poses and see what you look like in those poses, even if you have no idea what you're doing. 
it everyone starts somewhere so just take some pictures in some poses in some figure poses in some bikini poses see what you look like and get the opinion of a posing coach or a competition prep coach and they will guide you um and then once you've picked your your category and which category you think you might fit best then start having a look at different federations and I think one of the most sort of underrated things when it comes to choosing a federation is what do you like the look of? Because at the end of the day, you want to be happy whilst you're competing in the sport of bodybuilding. You don't want to feel like you're morphing your physique into a shape which you aren't going to enjoy and which you aren't going to be happy in. So have a look at different federations and think, okay, is that something that lights a bit of a fire inside of me? Do I like the look of those girls who are placing in the top five? Um, and I would recommend gravitating towards one of the federations which you do like the look of um, the girls which are placing within. And again, you know, get the opinion of your coach and things can change through an improvement season and through a prep as well, depending on how your body responds um how easily you lose body fat if for example you're going to compete in the bikini category the condition required for the bikini category can quite heavily differ between different federations so if you're the type of person who gets very lean very quickly you're going to want to go with one of the federations that favors condition over one of the federations that doesn't always reward condition and goes for a slightly softer look so it, it comes down to how you respond and where you're going to be able to play to your strengths but also alongside that what you like the look of because at the end of the day if you really really fucking want to compete in figure but you're really small and you have a lot of muscle tissue to to build before you compete in figure you're probably better off just building that muscle tissue that's going to be required and competing in figure rather than forcing yourself into the bikini category if that doesn't motivate you so there's a lot of different things to consider but ultimately i will guide you and go on social media have a look at who's placing with each federation have a look at what you like the look of and that is a great starting point and then try some of those poses see how you look and we'll see where you fit what is the best indicator and just to go back to that as well there's no harm in trying multiple federations so you don't have to say for example you did your first show and you competed with the pca that doesn't mean that you're bound to the pca forever you can try different federations that's absolutely fine and sometimes it comes down to a bit of a trial a bit of a a case of trial and error to see where you fit best and what you like the most because different shows are ran differently and you won't get a true idea of that until you actually compete with certain federations and you experience that yourself so trial and error be open-minded and willing to try different things um what is the best indicator of when to progress with load so you all have your target number of sets and reps so you might have for example three sets of eight to twelve reps on a certain exercise that's just a random example if you're using a certain load and you do as many reps as you can with good form for that set and you get past your target rep range 
your target rep range is 8 to 12 reps so say you get 13 14 reps then increase your load because you've gone beyond your target rep range so that tells you that you can go a little bit heavier and still be within that rep range so use your rep range as a guide go into every set give 100% do as many reps as you can with good form or if you've been assigned say two reps in reserve do that with two reps in reserve and then if you get past your target rep range then you know you can increase your load next set or next session um always prioritize form and um at the end of the day the most important thing is that you're working within a close proximity to failure so it's not the end of the world if you increase your load and you fall slightly below your target rep range as long as you are within a close proximity to failure and you're training with good form and execution so don't stress over it too much it's a very minor detail but as a rough guide use your target rep range if you get past that target rep range increase your load for your next set or your next session and progress by marginal amounts because what that will mean is you're much more likely to be able to maintain good form as you progress and you're much more likely to be able to prevent injury as a result of that and progress over a longer period of time so progress by marginal amounts rather than chucking like 10 aside straight away because if you do that your confidence in your own ability is probably going to drop your form might not be quite as good and um, you're going to be at a, a greater injury risk if you progress by really large amounts on a weekly basis how important is it to follow your training in the order that it is programmed so i want you to follow your training in the order that it's programmed where possible but it's not the end of the world if you do have to switch things around what you do need to bear in mind if you do switch things around is that you don't necessarily want to stress if you drop a couple of reps on a given exercise if you've done it later in the session than what you did last week so say for example your first exercise is programmed as a barbell sumo deadlift and then one week you have to do that exercise later in the session your performance is going to be affected by that because by the time you get to that exercise if you do it later in the session you're going to have accumulated a little bit of fatigue and you're going to be a little bit more tired so you might not be able to do quite as many reps or you might not be able to use quite as much load as what you did last week that's not because you have lost strength it's just because you've had to perform that exercise later in the session so it's really important to recognize if you do have to change things up that you're not comparing your performance this week to last week's performance you're you're just you want to set your expectations of yourself realistically take into account where the exercise is situated in the session and where that is in comparison to last week and just give 100% on that day and as long as you do that that's all you can ask of yourself but don't worry if you do have to move things around it's not the end of the world um the only thing i would say is try not to position your big compound movements at like the very end of your session because you're going to really struggle if you do that so that's something to bear in mind tips on cleaning your bikini between shows so danielle asked this question between shows basically obviously what you if you're using the same bikini you're one you're going to want to give it a little bit of a clean you don't want to obviously stick it in the washing machine because you'll lose lots of gems off of your bikini if you did that i would just hand wash it in the sink just to get the tan out of it but um 
yeah it doesn't have to be sort of doesn't have to be the brand new sort of clean look they're not going to see it that closely and um, the tan actually washes out quite easily I've done it so many times literally just rinse it in the water hand wash hand wash it in the sink and you'll be absolutely fine um, and just give it a little bit of a, a ring out and then leave it to dry on a clothes dryer like I've got behind me <laughs> conveniently positioned here um, yeah just leave it out to dry afterwards and give it enough time to to do that um millie said i've seen some other coaches program post training hit so that's high intensity interval training as a time efficient cardio for prep clients what are my thoughts on this so i personally am not a massive fan of programming hit training for competition prep clients because of how taxing it can be and therefore how that might take away from your resistance training performance and or your recovery and the the injury risk which comes along with how high impact it can be sometimes and how taxing it can be when you're dieting to stage lean you're so much more fragile you haven't got as much body fat um, protecting your your joints and um, obviously surrounding your muscles, you, you're just at a much greater risk of injury already. You're probably in a state of low energy availability alongside that as well, alongside just being lean. So that's something to take into account, which will increase your injury risk and increase your risk of other negative health effects. So it's something that I try and steer away from personally. I just think it's it's so taxing. It can really take away from resistance training performance. And that's talking from experience. And obviously recovery is so important during a contest prep. And imagine you're stage lean and you're trying to do a hit session. It's just so hard. And on top of that, it's also really difficult to regulate intensity during hit and therefore energy expended in each session. So whereas a steady state session, you can go into each cardio session and use the same level and work at the same intensity every time you go in and do that session, you can keep that level consistent for the entire session. Whereas if you're doing a hit session, it's so difficult to control that intensity and to, to control your heart rate. And um, the likelihood of you being able to maintain that intensity when you do get stage lean is, is quite low. Um, you're going to want to conserve energy at that point. So yeah, I'd just say it's just so taxing. I'm not a massive fan of it. If a client requested it and they really wanted to give it a shot, I would certainly be open to that. I have a very open mind and I'm willing to take into account client's personal preference. But when it does come to competition prep clients at the end of the day, you guys do have an extreme goal. And it's often a case of just doing what has to be done. And I think in a lot of cases, steady state cardio is going to be more appropriate unless someone just really, really enjoys HIT and responds really well to that. Maybe they've been doing it in their improvement season and they're used to it and they really enjoy it and they've got very limited time. So um, they want to expend as much energy as possible in a short period, then fair enough. But I just think there's a lot of risk that comes alongside that. And if we were to include HIT, I would remove it um, towards your show just to make sure that you're not carrying huge amounts of inflammation from that 
and to make sure that we can peak you properly for your show. So I'm personally not a massive fan, but each to their own and I do have an open mind. So it's something that I'd consider on an individual basis if somebody did bring it up. I'm just gonna have a drink. When pushing a client hard during fat loss, to what extent do you consider their perceived biofeedback? And would you say this data can be subjective, especially when it comes to pushing somebody as hard as necessary to reach their goal? It depends, I think, on what biofeedback it is and what their goal is. If I have a general population client, I don't see a need to be brutally extreme with those clients and I think in a lot of cases I would prefer to take the approach of spending longer in the process of trying to achieve their goal and being less aggressive than being super aggressive and only for example running a fat loss phase for a really short period of time um, and that's just to allow them to enjoy their lives and give them a little bit more flexibility and ensure that they don't feel like dog shit but the extremity of how extreme your actions are is going to be relative to how extreme your goal is on, it depends on the client their tolerance how hard they're willing to work what their priorities are what their values are in life, um, how long they've got to achieve their goal. There's so many different factors which would come into that. It's really hard to give like a definitive um, answer, but I'd certainly consider their, their biofeedback. So like sleep, recovery, stress levels, digestion. Um, biofeedback could also be things like resting heart rate. You could take with some people other measurements, but yeah it depends on the individual and if for example you're tracking their sleep and the reason you're saying perceived biofeedback is because i don't know maybe their perception of their sleep being shit is just getting less than like 10 hours then that's where their perception might be a bit skewed and actually they'd be okay with a little bit less oh, okay so very hungry and lots of so if a client was very hungry and had lots of muscle soreness deep in a fat loss phase, how much would I take into account that piece of data um, when it comes to, to pushing them? So in terms of muscle soreness, if it was really, really bad, then I would, <laughs> Millie or Prep, for example, like, isn't it, given that you'll feel shit, I think some people think it's way more harsh but that's the reality. Yeah, so in prep, like you're gonna feel pretty shit. If you've got an extreme goal like that, you've just got to accept that you're gonna be hungry and you're gonna be sore and that's just that's just it, that's the nature of it. Like during prep, I remember getting on that freaking bike every morning and my quads just, as soon as I started cycling, my quads were just burning the entire time. So that's an example of what you have to do during prep and how you just have to embrace the suck so with contest prep clients yeah you know they've just got to get on with it if someone was incredibly sore however and their performance 
was also taking a hit alongside that. They also looked really inflamed. Um, they weren't sleeping well. Then I would either run a deload with them or just ask them to take an extra rest day, adding an extra rest day to their, their training program potentially, or just decrease training volume slightly to ensure that they can actually recover to some extent because recovery is important. So if they genuinely can't recover from what you've programmed for them, then yeah, pull training volume or training frequency down a little bit or give them an extra rest day or a, a bit of a deload. Um, but to some extent, they are gonna have to put up with being quite fatigued sometimes during something like a prep. Um, when it comes to hunger, again, that's something that you do have to accept as a part of a contest prep or any other fat loss phase for that matter. But the extent of the hunger, again, is gonna be relative to the extremity of the goal. And if a general population client was struggling to the point where they felt like they needed to overeat, then I'd probably just give them a bit of a refeed um, or try and be a little bit less extreme or maybe give them a bit more expenditure and a bit more food in line with that if they really struggle with hunger. Um, so there's ways around it with general population clients and we can adjust their protocols a little bit more freely. They haven't got to be as extreme, but with competitors, a lot of the time, it's just a case of embracing the suck. Um, but if they are genuinely like really badly fatigued, there's things we can do to counteract that, which I would utilize. Um, and obviously you guys know that I deload with you quite regularly anyway. So that's something that we put in place to avoid fatigue accumulating to the point of no return. Um, when training to failure, is it more important to go all the way to failure, maybe compromising form, for example, using your legs for a push press, or is it best to maintain strict form and work to failure with strict form? So it is better to maintain strict form and work to failure with strict form if your goal is hypertrophy. So if your goal is maximal progress with hypertrophy, or if your goal is to retain as much muscle tissue as possible, you don't want to be doing things like using your legs to do a push press when you've got an overhead press programmed because you're just then taking away the challenge from the working muscle. And actually, if you do, if you do a push press properly, you're only really doing the last little bit with your shoulders. So I would rather you maintain strict form and work to failure because you're therefore going to be much safer first and foremost if you maintain strict form if you maintain really good form um because if you start doing things like like a push press you start using momentum or inertia your your injury risk goes up quite dramatically and alongside that as well it's so hard to standardize because it say you're you did a push press like you could perform a push press better one week and therefore use more leg drive and then the next week do more of a strict press and then it's very hard to track your progress that way whereas if you maintain really strict really good form you're standardizing that variable and it's much easier to track your progress over time it's also going to be less fatiguing so when your goal is maximal hypertrophy or to retain as much muscle tissue as possible um, or to avoid injury at all costs, really maintain strict form over just pushing more load. Remember, 
as people who have physique-based goals, we're not just trying to move as much load as possible from A to B, we're trying to create as much of a challenge for the working muscle as possible. And that's how we're gonna retain the muscle tissue we've got or build more muscle tissue, not just by moving pure load from A to B. Um, Katie, would you ever recommend partials, e.g. after lateral raises? Yeah, definitely. It's just, it's a different um, sort of intensity method you could utilise, a bit like a drop set or a rest pause. So I certainly would recommend partials sometimes, but I will programme it if I want you to do it. Um, I do programme it sometimes for people, but um, yeah, I would programme it if I wanted you to do it. It's not something that I'd add on to like the end of every exercise and every set because that would just be so fatiguing. Um, but it is certainly something that you can utilize to, um, as an intensity method to apply progressive overload over time and add in a little bit of an extra challenge. So certainly something you can utilize. And if you think about it as well, with like a dumbbell, dumbbell lateral raise, it can be cert certainly valuable to utilize something like partials um, because then you're getting more of like a full range challenge if you did um, a full set of as many as you can and then finish with partials because you're then fatiguing the muscle in that bottom half of the rep as well as at the top, if that makes sense. Um, why is it that generally speaking we have cravings in the evening but then we wake up in the morning and they are gone this can be down to so many reasons i think a lot of the time cravings in the evenings is for comfort or it's like um due to being tired or emotional so sometimes like when you feel if you feel hunger in the evenings for example sit down have a glass of water and question yourself and say to yourself am i genuinely physiologically hungry do i genuinely need food right now or am i just seeking comfort am i just bored am i just a little bit emotional am i tired because there are other reasons you might experience hunger rather than for the fact that your body actually needs food so always question, like if you're getting cravings, if you're getting hunger, question that and ask yourself, okay, am I actually hungry? If I am, I said water crystal, but you could have wine too. <laughs> I would be fine with you having wine, but um, yeah, so sit down with a glass of water, question yourself, am I actually hungry? If the answer is yes, okay, how hungry am I? On a scale of one to 10, how bad is my hunger? And then if you're still genuinely hungry and you're not in a fat loss phase, then honor that hunger and eat it, eat the food. Um, but if you're in a fat loss phase, sometimes sacrifice has to be made and hunger is unavoidable. So you just have to suck it up and deal with it to some extent. But yeah, I think a lot of the time hunger in the evenings to get back to the point is is emotional or it's it's down to, to boredom or just wanting comfort. If you are someone who struggles with hunger in the evenings, allow yourself a decent amount of calories in the evening. That's absolutely fine. There's no problem with that. Remember, it's your total calories over the day, which will determine, and over the week, which will determine whether you're in a calorie deficit at maintenance or in a surplus. So 
if you personally like to have a lot of food in the evenings you go girl you have your food in the evenings that's fine as long as you're having a decent amount around training at the same time as that to preserve training performance and prioritize recovery so yeah if you're hungry in the evenings allow yourself food in the evenings and make sure your evening meal contains a serving of protein as well um how important is fat loading to fill up intramuscular triglycerides for a bikini athlete so it is valuable because to be to truly fill up we again right okay i'm gonna there's so many different points i could cover on this so first of all it depends on the individual because if a bikini athlete is very heavily muscular and there is a potential that they might be marked down for that muscularity then you don't really want them full on stage like you don't want them their muscle glycogen stores to be completely full we don't want them full to the brim that's not the goal so in that situation we're not trying to maximally fill somebody out so we might actively not fill out muscle glycogen and triglycerides however if we do want to maximally fill somebody out and we want to fill somebody up and we want them a little bit harder, a little bit drier, a little bit fuller, and they're not overly muscled, then yes, we need to consider um, increasing fats and um, filling up intramuscular triglycerides. So it depends on how muscular an individual is in respect to the category and whether they need to be really full on stage or whether they don't need to be really full on stage if we do want them maximally full then it is something that we have to to consider because if we just increase carbohydrate alone with no fat we won't be truly full so we do need to consider that alongside carbohydrate um and for those of you who don't know we would top up intramuscular triglycerides by increasing your fat intake um, and you could do that alongside increasing carbs or you could do that um before before a carb load so you could for example do a bit of a fat load and then do a carb load and then you would top up both intramuscular triglycerides and muscle glycogen via the fat load followed by the carb load like i said you can do both at once sometimes doing both at once is a little bit more taxing on the digestive system so that's something to bear in mind um but yeah if you want someone truly truly full then of course it's it's definitely something that we need to consider there um what i will also say on top of that is like anecdotally different people respond differently to different things some people will respond better to higher fats some people will respond better to higher carbs when you're stage lean weird shit can happen like i i responded i think differently every single peak week that i've done um and it just depends like how lean you are how much muscle tissue you're carrying for example for the british finals when i was coached by callum um we filled me out and my feedback was that i was too muscular so we then purposefully came in a little bit flat for the ben weeder i was basically i wasn't carved up at all um so i i was much flatter i was also much leaner 
and I brought a much smaller package to the stage so we purposefully didn't fully top me up and then I then topped up again for Alicante so it it can vary so much and it can even vary with the same athlete between different shows based on their feedback and how they're responding how lean they are how much muscle tissue they're carrying and so many other variables so when it comes to peaking somebody there's so much that comes into it what i will say for bikini athletes in general is that they don't remember the goal in bikini isn't to be as full as physically possible as hard and dry as physically possible we're not male bodybuilders so the extent of the carb load whatever we do is not going to be anywhere near that of what bodybuilders would do because we we don't have that amount of muscle tissue and we're not trying to be as dry hard full as physically possible that's not the aim as a bikini athlete so it's really important to bear that in mind so that we don't look at what male bodybuilders are doing and think oh why am i not doing that as my peak because it's not appropriate that's not the look we're trying to achieve and we don't have that amount of muscle tissue so yeah it's very individual and it can also differ between shows the approach that we take um but yeah it can vary it's so hard to sort of give a one-size-fits-all answer crystal does it differ for trained bikini so trained bikini athletes obviously we are trying to create a fuller harder drier look so that would dictate the method we use that would sorry influence the method we use in peak week and we would um use slightly more aggressive protocols most likely depending on the look if somebody already looks fucking incredible right before say someone's two or three weeks out right and they look amazing already then you don't want to throw the kitchen sink at their protocols because you're just playing with fire. You just want them to keep them where they are. But like I said, it it does depend on the category and things like that. And obviously in trained bikini, we are looking for a drier, harder look. So yeah, Crystal, for trained bikini, your protocols will be a little bit different, most likely. Um, and you will have to be much leaner as well in the first place than you would for toned bikini. So you'll have to be peeled and you have to be truly peeled to be able to fully fill someone out and it look good anyway so yeah we'll have to get you peeled before your show um and we'll probably in that case when when we are trying to get as full hard and dry as possible um we will have to trial a peak because there's more variables which we may manipulate and um protocols would be a bit more aggressive so the room for error is greater when the protocols are more aggressive whereas when you're not trying to achieve as full dry and hard as possible you're not having to be as aggressive um there's much less room for error anyway and um in general for peak week just to go over this briefly there's like different options so there's the front load a front load is when you would basically load the athlete at the start of the week and then bring them back down to baseline that is basically a very safe way to peak somebody because if you spilled over you could then bring that back down towards the end of the week bring them back down to baseline and tidy up a little bit um spilling is basically when you 
put too many carbs in too many carbs and fats in and they spill over they look soft and you can then bring that back down if you've done a front load a back load is when you would fill them up at the back end of the week there is much more room for error with that because you're leaving it to last minute so you you haven't got time to tidy up afterwards unless you were to do something extreme and then obviously there's another option which is just gradually reversing somebody into the show and tapering up food and tapering down expenditure and that often results in a reduction in stress which means the athlete looks better and um they just gradually get a reduction in stress of their body gradual increase in food so they start to top up a little bit a, a like a linear load so a linear taper into the show is usually in my opinion quite useful for bikini athletes because it's very predictable you're just slowly adding a little bit of food in you're slowly tapering down expenditure so you're taking stress off of their body they look a lot fresher on stage they fill up a little bit they have a bit more pop to their physique but they're not full to the brim and they're not super dry and hard to the point that they're going to get marked down for it so usually a, a nice linear taper is quite a predictable um way to peak a bikini athlete for a show without doing anything crazy um so that's something to think about um but yeah thank you for tonight's questions guys they've been fantastic we've done a good 50 minutes so if you have any questions for next week i'm gonna put a post up again after i've stopped chatting your ears off um, yeah, I'm going to put a post up and if you've thought of any questions throughout tonight's live um, or if you have any in general, please, please, please comment them because like I said before, the quality of the live does depend on the questions I get through. This one has been brilliant and that's because we've got some amazing questions through. So ask if you have any whatsoever. Um, have a wonderful evening, guys, and sleep well. I will see you next week and um, I'll chat to you some of, some of you tomorrow in your check-ins and things but um, sleep well and let me know if you have any further questions.